Hey guys, it's been great being there. Thank you for all your prayers. So let me just do it chronologically what happened uh, starting at the airport in Kansas City. Kind of weird feeling because we were kind of all tuned to have three of us there and we were only two. So Sander, we missed you big time. So on, on, on Monday, November 8th, we flew to Cairo, did some sightseeing, the camels, the pyramids, um, visiting a lot with Magui's friends. I mean, his connectedness is unbelievable. Um, and then on Monday, the uh, November 15, we went to Juba by plane. That's about a four hour plane ride. I had no idea what to expect about South Sudan and, and, and Juba. I've been to about 50 countries, but South Sudan was a country where I'm like, I have no idea. Just a couple of highlights. They tried to be a Christian nation, even though they're Arabic speaking country. So that's kind of unusual in and by itself. Number two, you know, hotels, they have all these 10 or 20 flags in front of them many times. Well, one of the flags was the Israeli flag. That again is unusual. Well, for them it does, but for me it didn't. I mean, unexpected. And the third one, just another highlight is the official photo of the president as always with a Stetson hat, the big hat that he got from George W. Bush. For real? For real. So when, 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 he, when the president visited, and I can't pronounce his name, don't worry about it, but when he visited the US, Bush even connected him to some of the churches in like Midland, Texas, where he was, Bush is from. And just to get you a picture of where some of the dynamics are. Um, so then we were in, in, in Duba for the teaching. And uh, that was about a week of teaching, seven in the morning to seven o'clock at night. Chris, Waki, Pastor Joseph that you may have met, he was here in Kansas City, and Pastor uh, David Dickerson from Georgia, um, Peachtree Baptist Church in Georgia. So they each took, one took the morning, one the afternoon, two classes in parallel, one for the master students, the other one for the bachelor students. That's how they just rack up credit hours. They come together three times a year for one week, go through the intensive training. That's a couple of credit hours. At the end of a few years, they have their master's or their bachelor degrees. So it's a, it's a great program, um, especially since it allows the people to keep their jobs or whatever they do and take off uh, three times a year for just one week. It's, it's a great opportunity. And that's um, under the, uh, in, in Egypt, there's in MEPS, Middle, uh, Middle Eastern Bible Seminary that uh, Wagi and, and Joseph head up. And it's out of that, that this entire work flows. Um, they have the same principle there in Egypt. That's where Wagi still, still is this week teaching. Uh, they start like eight in the morning, go like to 10 o'clock at night. I mean, this is serious uh, type teaching for a week. And that's how they build their college degrees. Um, Almost everybody understands English, but if you if you want to reach everybody, it's always Arabic. Brother, do you speak no, I speak German, but no Hebrew. Um, so in South Sudan, we were primarily just in the hotel compound, didn't really go anywhere. 
just uh, stayed there. Um, I did the morning devotions and kind of helped out where I could. Uh, the big load was by Chris and the pastors uh, doing the teaching of the classes. Um, from a from a people point of view, it was interesting to see because they were hungry, meaning you had you had Episcopalians and Presbyterians and all sorts of people coming just because this was a class or a degree program that's being offered that they couldn't get anywhere else. Meaning in the country, there's nothing going on. In fact, some of the people talked to us and said, uh, um, we'd like for you to not just teach the Bible, but other things like maybe engineering or, I mean, just really other things. Because they said there's 30,000 students every year in, in Sudan that are ready to get an education, but they can't. It's just nothing there by way of higher education and to move the country ahead. From just a purely human economic point of view, we're not even talking the spiritual and, and Bible point of view, but we're, we're focusing in on the spiritual and the Bible point of view. Um, so it was really good. Any questions or questions afterwards? Uh, about 70, 80, seems like in every, every time that they meet, there's more students as the word gets out. Uh, repeat. Oh, it, it, it builds incrementally, meaning, meaning once you're in, you, you get in because you want your master's or your bachelor's, so you kind of keep coming. Um, I mean, it's kind of, in that sense, a little bit like LFBI, meaning you have these rotating classes and you, you just join in, work, you work your way through, and it, it, the number of student grows. What's your age group? Age group is probably anywhere from 20 to 50. I mean, it's really across the board. I don't think you speak full Arabic, so I mean, that's, English. No, I'm just asking. No, no, it's a good question. No, it's a great question. No worry, no worry about it. No, Pastor Best and, and Pastor Dickerson, they always spoke in English and were translated by either Wagi or they were also two full-time translators there. And Wagi and Joseph uh, spoke English or Arabic, or sometimes they translated themselves, meaning they would speak one paragraph in English and the next and the same paragraph in, in Arabic and vice versa. I mean, that's got to screw with your mind if you. Well, I know that Pastor Bagley is speaking Arabic. That's why I was, I mean, I just don't want to make yep. comment. And so that's why I was asking. Totally, yeah. Part of that tying in and how, how is that? And, you know, I mean, you know, and basically your teaching time is cut in half because you right. only teach half the time, the other half time, the, the other guy is speaking. So. Like, Yep. Teaching, teaching yeah. No. The focus was really to be inside the, the compound and doing the classes. We went outside one time to talk to a Presbyterian uh, Episcopalian um, organization that Rocky is in touch with. Uh, as far as teaching opportunities are concerned. Uh, so we go out a little bit. If you really go out in the further out, like into the countryside, it's a bit weird because, because the government thinks you're working for the Contras and the Contras think 
you're working there for the government when they see you. So you're kind of in a difficult position in, in, in some regards. Um, I mean, think Colombia, I guess, and where you have the FARC and the military and you're like, who's who and what's your role? Why are you here? So you kind of get crossway both with both of them when you're there. So evangelism isn't something that you just naturally go out and do because there's, I mean, yes, you, I guess, yes, you can, but you got to be prepared for what the consequences might be. Anybody? But is there like an age, like how, how young was the youngest one be, being felt they're being led to be part of that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. It, it's probably, I, I don't know the, the regulations of, of what Wagi has said and things, but it would simply assume that you have your regular education and that you're either theologically or otherwise at a level. So basically probably think, probably think 20. Okay. I mean, not much younger. Yeah. And, and then you're basically whenever, you know, you're a pastor somewhere and you realize you need to do something. So you sign up and you're like, okay. And Raghi says, well, you've done this much and we recognize this as a bachelor or they don't. So you come in as a bachelor or you come in as a master. Oh, okay. Okay. I was kind of curious how that kind of all, yeah. since things aren't, are a little different in America. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's definitely, that's definitely different. And you don't have that rigid of a structure probably in terms of high school degree so and then that I don't know the details on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you, Barno. Bible talks about um, studying the Bible and we can become truly furnished unto all good works, which means like whatever the need is, you can meet that need, you know, and that's Berno. We're on this trip and there's a tech problem. And I'd be like, Berno, can you go, you know, and traveling and everything. Just good guy to have around right there. Berno's truly furnished, able to do whatever needs to be done. That's my kid town notes for later. You might have to bear with me. I'm still got a little jet lag going so it is so good to be back it, it's a really good thing to have gone um but there's nothing quite like coming home so so i thank god for you guys we were in cairo egypt and then we are in south sudan and here's what we're gonna do we're going to wait till Wagi gets back on December 3rd, and then we'll take a Sunday and we'll just present the whole, the whole ministry, like our trip, what we did, what we've got going on there. And then, you know, it'll be a good trip for people to come and, and to be a part of. So it's not necessarily an easy trip and it's not an inexpensive trip. It may not be a good first trip for someone who, like, like it, it, you know, but it's a really good trip. And I, I think we're going to try to work to set up trips moving forward. So uh, we'll present the whole thing after Wagi gets back. He's still there. So um, December 3rd. So praise the Lord. By the way, so we're missing Wagi and Lois. Um. 
but I count 35 people in here. So hang on, hang on, because that makes 37. So just bear with, just check this out. I think we've got five people online. Okay, so, so we've got, yeah, hang on. So we've got Bill and Paulette. Uh, do we have Keith and Buki both on there? And we've got Marla. Okay, so this only matters because in January, after we were devastated by COVID, we asked God for some things. We asked God for couples because we didn't have any couples in here, right? We did have couples, but like Christine and I didn't sit together and half the time Mike would come in late and we, like, so we just prayed and God has answered that prayer mightily. We prayed that God would work on our families. And then, and then we prayed that God would take us from 21 to 42. Who was here when we prayed that? So if we count the people online this morning, we've got 42 people in class. So, so the reason we picked that number was because that's something only God can do. Like you can't, you can plant a seed, you can't make it grow, amen? Well, we can, so we just prayed very specifically and, and without Rokus and Wasam, without Wagi and Lois, you know, we we're at 42. So we just should probably just thank God for hearing and answering our prayers and, and being, you know, yeah, like really what it is, is we we're just too, we're coming alongside him more than he's coming alongside us. Like we know his will, amen, right? Can we just thank God together as a class real quick? So maybe maybe Phyllis can start us off. Well, let's do one, one lady and we'll do one guy. Let's have Phyllis start us off and Scott, you close us up, okay? And then we'll, we're all praying, but, but you guys lead us in praying out loud. For those that, for those of us who know Jesus Christ the Savior, we, we have a good feel uh, for your grace and your mercy, your, your love for us. Um, <clears throat> Lord, we are so grateful that now we've seen your power too, your, your strong hand to come and, and bring people together. Lord, we, we prayed and we asked and we didn't go out and make a you know 30 second television spot to invite people here we didn't go out and pass out flyers we just asked you and you did it lord you you brought these people together and uh, um, man it's just so good we are so thankful for who you are and showing yourself strong lord lord pray that you would uh, just be with us today lord in jesus name Amen. Anyway, it's a great blessing to be home. I love you guys. Um,
I do want to present some things. I know Doug Pearson preached the last two weeks, and I'm super grateful that, that we get to have Doug and, and Bethany with us for a while. They are planning on going back to India and Nepal soon. They're in Baltimore. They're sending church for the next three weeks. Then they'll be back. They'll be with us for Mission Focus. But shortly thereafter, we're planning on sending them off back. That's really where their heart is is in India and Nepal and and they're just trusting God to get to get back there. So I, I know Doug, he, he gave me an update about what he preached on and I'm super grateful that Pierce Pearson. Yeah. So so they uh Doug was in by way of review, Doug was in first John chapter four and he preached you know, about receiving the love of God, right? And, and, you know, you can't give away what you don't have, but you can give away what you do have. And if we believe and receive the love that God has given unto us, I can now reflect that. I can reciprocate that love back to God, but then I can also love other people. And so, we ought to know we're loved greatly by God and we ought to believe and receive that love. And then once we do that, you know, wow, now you're able to love me despite my, my warts and wrinkles. Despite all my flaws, you can love me because you have that love to give. And, and I'm super grateful for Doug to preach that. I, I know he was in first John chapter four, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. And, and then we're going to move on this week to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 5. And I think probably we ought to just read that. So go ahead and get eyes on those verses, if you would. 1 John chapter 1. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll get you a Bible. Who needs a Bible? We need a Bible up here. We need three Bibles. One, two, three. Oh, four Bibles back there and then um yeah just raise that hand again real quick up here frederick needs a bible and back there and then nigel right nigel needs a bible back there so so we're going to look at these passages. We'll spend a little time here, but then we're going to break up into small groups. And I trust that kind of that's where the action is. So, you know, don't leave your small group without knowing whether or not you're saved. In every small group, there's going to be someone who can show you from God's word how you can know if you have eternal life, if, if, you're, if you have a right relationship with God and your sin problem has been taken care of. So we'll cover that in our small groups, and then we'll go over, you know, whatever God is showing you. So as I teach and preach, if God puts something on your heart, that's just write that down on the side of your paper. Don't, we don't want to talk about it while I'm teaching and preaching. You want to talk about that in your small group. So just kind of scribble those things down as, as we're going. Does that sound good? Okay, let's look at these verses. First John chapter five, verse one, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. That's verse one. Verse two says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. 
For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Verse four, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Oh my goodness. We're talking about overcoming the world this morning. That's amazing to me. Okay, overcoming the world. Uh, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's our passage this morning. And it just floors me that we can talk about overcoming the world. Because that seems like a scope that would be way beyond anything that a group of people separated out from the world, gathered together in the trailer next to the big church, would be able to talk about. Like this is me and you, and we're talking about how do we overcome the world? That's just amazing to me. But that's what the Bible gives us. I thank God we can just expositorily preach verse by verse through the book and see what it says. But that's what we're dealing with this morning. And what we're going to see is that we do overcome the world as we love one another. According to our faith in God's word, we have God's word sitting right in front of you. We have the written word of God. Jesus was the living word. He was the mouthpiece of God here on the earth. When he left, he, left, he, took, he took his spirit, his words, and his body with him, and he replaced his words with the written word. You read about that in 2 Peter chapter 1. He replaced his body with you and me, the body of Christ, and each one of us members gifted by God to do the work of the body of Christ. And then, of course, he took his spirit with him, but he left, he, he sent us what? To replace his spirit. The Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1 tells us that, that once we believe, we trust in the word of God, the Holy Spirit comes in and indwells us. So we've got the word of God, the body of Christ, and the, and the spirit of God together. So it's kind of like what Sam was saying this morning in terms of introduction. When Christians just all act like we're supposed to act and walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, it's kind of like heaven on earth. If we come in here and nobody's speaking evil, nobody's being, you know, me monsters, me, okay? Everybody's esteeming others better than themselves and, and, and people are, are, are not murmuring and dispute. Like that's like heaven on earth. That's what we all want our homes and our workplaces to look like. And so, so what we're gonna see is that we do get to overcome the world and the world can't, can't appreciate, it can't handle the love of God. It doesn't recognize that. So anyway, let's look at it. In terms of an explanation, what we see in verse 1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And so um, okay, so here's our Bible studies. Okay, so what does Christ mean? Because it's hard to believe that Jesus is the Christ if we don't know what that means. So Christ means Messiah. It's an Old Testament word that, that means the anointed one. So someone who's anointed like, like, like no one else is anointed. 
we could all anoint ourselves with oil or perfume or something, but there's one who is the anointed, anointed like no one else, and that's the Messiah. He's talked about in Daniel, and in in, in this is Daniel's 70 weeks. This is a prophecy that says from the time that the order is given to restore the, the city until the Messiah comes is going to be this 69-week time frame. There's seven weeks, and then there's 62 weeks. That's odd. Okay, uh, so what happens is these are weeks of years. So it's actually 69 weeks, and then there's a break, and then there's the last week. Okay, so interestingly, these are weeks of years. So if you add up how many days that is, 360 day years, you take that times 69, and, and then you adjust for leap years. You know what you find? You find that Jesus Christ had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem exactly 69 weeks after the decree was made to rebuild the city after the Jewish exile. To the day, it was, it was on the, it was on four days before Passover. Anyway, it's a super cool study, but what we see was there's this guy that's promised, he's called the Messiah, Messiah the Prince, and he's in verse 25, he's in verse 26. These are the only two times in your Old Testament you'll find the word Messiah. This is it. This is the one that's talking about him. Now we find it again in the New Testament in John chapter 1, verse 41. Andrew talks to his brother, Simon, who's, who's Peter. And he's like, hey, we found Messiah. That's the, that's the Greek, which is interpreted the Christ. So Christ is the Greek New Testament transliteration of the Hebrew Old Testament word Messiah. The only other time we find it in the New Testament is also in John. This is the woman at the well, and she says, hey, you're asking me all these really hard questions. You know, I'm just going to wait till Messiah comes, because when he comes, he'll have all the answers. And Jesus says, I, I am he. Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. So the Bible itself defines Messiah from the Old Testament as Christ in the New Testament. You guys see that? Okay, now, now John, the way the Apostle John writes in this book is like, it's like a word problem. It's like that math word problem that you get. You have to work through it all and you have to, to do all these things. And, and, and so, you know, John, why do we have to believe that Jesus is the Christ? Why do you put that in here? Why is that important in Scripture? And I would ask you this question. So, so why is it important that, that the reader of 1 John believes that Jesus is the Christ? Now, 1 John is in the, the back of your Bible. So your Bible, New Testament, goes like this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, which tell the history of Jesus' first coming. Then it goes into the book of Acts, okay? The Acts is a transitional book between the Gospels and the, the books that Paul wrote. Paul wrote to the church. The Acts transitions from Christ's first coming to the time when the church is in place. There are seven different transitions in the book of Acts. You go from Jewish to Gentile. You go from Jerusalem to Antioch. You go from law to liberty. 
You go from an Old Testament structure to a New Testament structure. Okay, so, so there's, there's all these different transitions that happen. It goes from a physical kingdom of heaven focus to a spiritual kingdom of God focus. But then you got your Pauline epistles that Paul wrote to us. The whole Bible is written for you, but it's not all written to you. Okay, you don't want to read someone else's mail. You can learn from reading someone else's mail. So Scott writes Marla a love letter. And, and he's just a gifted communicator. And he wants to, to, to just melt her heart with his, his love letter. And he writes this super dreamy love letter to Marla. And he, and he, and he's, he gets up and, and then he walks out. And as he does, that letter falls on the ground. So I'm cleaning up after class. And I'm like, oh, a letter. And I read this letter and I think to myself, Scott loves me so much. <laughs> it, that would be like me going to different places in scripture and something that's written, let's say, to the nation of Israel and applying it to myself. So all scripture is written for us. Now, I should learn from that letter. You're like, oh, I should. I should learn to communicate to Christine this way. Like Scott's so gifted and look at these true things that are, okay, so all the, all scripture is, we should learn from it, but it's not all written to us. The Pauline epistles are written to us. Okay, but your Bible's not done yet. It doesn't go from the Pauline letters that Paul wrote straight to Revelation. There's these weird books at the end, starting with Hebrews and James and first and second Peter and, and for, you know, first and second, and third John and Jude. What about those books? Who are they written to the church? Who thinks they're written to the church? Who, who are they written to? Hebrews. Okay. Weird. Okay. Here's how that works, you guys. And this, this is, this is what I would present to us. And this is why I think it's in there. The reason that it talks about believing that Jesus is the Christ is because it's important to the nation of Israel, because the church age in which we now live was a mystery. A mystery in your Bible is something that was concealed. Nobody saw it coming. But now it's revealed. Now it's been made manifest. It's evident. Okay, so the church age was a mystery so jesus came and he offered the kingdom to the jews by the way romans 11 talks about this talks about the mystery of the church age and why god did things that he did the way he did it but when jesus came he offered the kingdom now he's the king it's his kingdom but he offered to be the king of the jews that they could rule and reign with them. And you know what the Sermon on the Mount is? You guys know about the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes and all that stuff? You know what that is? It's the constitution of the kingdom of Christ that he came and offered to the Jews. By the way, is it getting warm in here or is it just me? So can... so. Scott, can you check the thermostat for me? 
I'll just trust Scott to look at the thermostat and make any necessary adjustments. And just pray, yeah, you're in trouble because you're right by the vent, yeah, okay. Okay. I, I'm kind of lost, where are we at? Okay, yeah, so, all right, so listen, Jesus came and, and let's look at some verses here. Look at Malachi chapter four, verse five. This is a prophecy about the coming Messiah, the one who's going to come, the day of the Lord, a messianic prophecy. And here's what, what we read. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's the last book in your Old Testament. In the very next book in your Bible, we find Matthew chapter 11, verse 14. Jesus is teaching, okay, Sermon on the Mount type stuff. And this is what he says, if ye will receive it, speaking of whom? Christ. No, who was, who was Jesus talking about? He was talking about John the Baptist, okay? Talking about John the Baptist, and you can turn there to look at that if you want. It says, if you will receive it, this is Elias. This is a fulfillment of Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, Okay. If you will receive it, if you will receive this kingdom that I'm offering you, John the Baptist is Elias, and we'll set up this kingdom right now. He offered the kingdom to Israel. Now, John chapter 1, verse 11, speaking of Christ, Christ came to his own, and his own received him not. Jesus said, if you will receive it, this is, and they didn't receive it, did they? Okay, but they could have. Let's just pretend for a minute that, that the nation of Israel did receive Christ the King, okay? So, so if the book of Acts would look entirely different, there wouldn't be a transition from Jew to Gentile, from Jerusalem to Antioch, from Peter to Paul. For there, the book of Acts just would have gone, you just would have probably skipped right over you know, Romans through Philemon and gone right into Hebrews. Does that make sense? So, so this is a familiar verse, people who are in discipleship, but as many as received, so he came to his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, that's us, that's the church age, that's you and I right now, we, he gave us power to become the sons of God. Okay, therefore, okay, so, who thinks the general epistles are for the church and who thinks they're, well, it's, it's kind of a trick question. Because the offer of the kingdom was valid, they could have received Christ in the general epistles, talking about Hebrews through Jude. Those books in the Bible would have been to them as well as for them. But the general epistles have a dual application. So they were applicable to the very early church before the Jews finally rejected Christ for the last time, they're also going to be applicable in the tribulation after the church is taken out because the church has an age has an end. And those of us who aren't dead yet, we get raptured out and it goes back to being a Jewish thing, which is why the very next book in your Bible is called, after the Pauline epistles is called Hebrews. And the book of James says to the 12 tribes. So in the early church, when Jesus said, if you will receive it, this is Elias, I am Messiah, I am he, they rejected him as Messiah. 
They rejected him as the Christ. After the church is taken out of the way, and it's a Jewish thing again, guess what they're going to have to deal with? Jesus as Messiah. Jesus as the Christ. We call him the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, they're going to have to do the same thing. Okay, so does that make sense? So in the book of 1 John, we see that it's important to the Jews in the tribulation that they get it right this time. He came to his own and his own received him not. Well, this time they're going to get it right because halfway through the tribulation, they're going to see. So anyway, okay, so let's go on. Valid. Yeah. So the kingdom offered to Israel was a valid one. So. All right. Now, if none of that makes sense to you, don't worry about that. Um, just keep coming. Just keep coming. All right. Number two on your handout. And this this is uh, looking at, at verses one and two. If you love the one who begat. So that's the that's the parent okay who had a child the one who begat if you love the one that begat you will love the one who is begotten and that's what that first verse says now it's interesting it doesn't say if you love the father you will love the child it says if you love the one who who begat you will love the one who was begotten and so again like i said john just makes us look at that and say well john why did you say it that way and I think the reason is because if, you know, how do we get to a right relationship with God? Through Jesus, the only begotten son of John 3, 16. You can't love God without loving Jesus, right? You, if we love God, it's because we said yes to Jesus. And I'm so grateful for the Lord. Oh my goodness, and I can't love the Father. I can't love the one who begat without loving the one who is begotten. But listen, here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take that same pattern and apply it to God's other children. Look at that verse again in verse one. Look at the syntax. I think it's not just talking about Jesus. I think it's talking about us. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's talking about me and you. Those of us who've put our trust in Christ. It's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about those who trusted in Jesus, right? You guys see that? Now, the rest of the verse. Everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So that same pattern, really, you can't love the father without loving his kids. Here's what John is saying. We need to look at each other that way. So I need to look at you and see you as the begotten of the Father. We're, we're brothers. And if you love God, okay, here, here's bottom line. If you love God, you have to love me. Sorry. Why? Because I deserve it? No, because I'm begotten of God. I'm a child of God. So the same pattern we see in Christ, we're supposed to see that with each other. Now, we see in verses two and three, we do this by keeping his commandments. So if you keep God's commandments, you will be loving me. Okay, because 
the way we hate on each other is, is just by being selfish and not selfless. And so if we just trust God and do things his way, then it'll be heaven on earth. You guys understand that, right? So, so let's go on to, to number three. In, in, in verses four and five, okay, we see uh, uh, keeping his commandments. That, his commandments aren't grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Okay, so listen, it's not grievous to overcome the world. That's a good thing for us to do. It's not a bad thing, right? Or you could just go live in the world, but then you're just miserable and it's drama and frustration all the time. No, no, no. We want to overcome the world. We want to show the world who Christ is. That's not a grievous thing. That's an incredible thing. Oh my goodness, this isn't like God trying to put us under his thumb and saying, you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. It's more like God saying, hey, you guys want to overcome the world? Come check this out. Walk this way. Talk this. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome the world. Okay, that's exciting stuff, you guys, to overcome the world. Oh my goodness. All right, so how do we do that? Well, we, we see some things in this passage. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So here we go. We're not talking about getting a ticket to heaven. We're talking about overcoming the world. So, so letter A, we overcome the world through a new birth. Okay. That's what it says in verse four, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, old things are passed away. All things are become new and we are literally born again. It's a spiritual thing. We may not look at it different physically, but we just became a part of overcoming the world. Colossians chapter one, verse three, it says, speaking of Christ, hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Praise the Lord and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Aaron Cross is not afraid to talk to anybody. He'll just go talk to anybody. Like, and he'll just like walk up to people and start talking to them. And like, you know, I like your truck. And then start talking about spiritual things. But I love this. Aaron will say, you know what happened to me? I got translated. <laughs> you should get translated too. And I don't know that anyone ever has known what to do with that, but I love it. I just like, hey, this is what happened right there. So praise the Lord. I'm going to have to that, Transformed? I think he, I heard trans. Maybe, I, probably you're right. I'm sure you're right. Galatians chapter, Galatians chapter one, verse four. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Listen, your salvation is not a ticket to heaven. Your, your, your salvation is being delivered from this present evil world that's so much bigger than just getting a ticket to heaven. Oh my goodness, we're set free, you guys. We need to learn to, 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 to overcome the world through our new birth. We also, letter B, overcome the world through faith in God's word, okay? 
This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Okay, so if salvation delivers us from the world, and we know that we get grace through faith for salvation, we also overcome the tendency to live according to the world, to fall back into the entanglement and bondage to sin in the world. Self is wired that way. I used to wonder, why is it that we have receptors in our body like nicotine receptors and opioid receptors that get us into trouble physiologically? It's like, oh yeah, because we're wired to get into trouble. Okay, so how do we stay set free from addiction, from sin, from entanglement, from drama, from bondage? From So, well, it's... Uh, we overcome the world through faith in God's word. And let's look at Romans chapter five, verse one and two. Speaking about our justification, that is just as if I'd never sinned. Justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Woohoo, salvation, okay. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We're not just saved by grace through faith, we're sanctified and matured by grace through faith. And if you start this discipleship, okay, you'll see that one lesson at a time, one category, one area of life at a time where we just see what God's word says about that. And then we're kind of confronted with, am I doing it that way or am I doing it some other way? And we're able to then make decisions based on faith moving forward. And that's when we get God's grace in our finances, in our relationships, in, 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 the, in our careers, in these different areas of our life, God pours out his grace as we have faith in that. But that's, that's part of our victory in the world. And then we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can't have faith if you don't have a Bible. Believing in God isn't actually biblical faith. If, if we don't Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if we don't have God's word, then we don't have faith. Now, now I'm not saying you don't have, you don't believe things. I'm just saying it's not biblical faith. We have to have God at his word before we can trust God at his word. Okay, let's move on. Let her see, we overcome the world by believing in Jesus. And this is our last verse. Verse 5, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So sometimes, you know, your faith is tested. Right? Amen? Everybody. Here's, here's our victory. I believe in Jesus. I put my faith and trust in him. And I don't know everything I should know. But I know the guy... Who, who does know everything there is to know. You're not perfect. Oh, I know I'm not perfect. Let me, let me tell you about the one who is. Well, you're not good enough. I, I know I'm not good enough. I know, but let me tell you about the one who is. You'll never overcome. Oh, you know what? Let me tell you the guy who already overcame. I don't have to prove. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to earn a bunch. I just, I know the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. He sits at the right hand of God and makes intercession for me. 
He's praying for us, seated at the right hand of the Father. And I don't know what I, everything I should know, you guys. But I know who I should know. And you know what, where I put my faith and my trust and the victory that I have over this, over this present evil world? It's in a person. And it's certainly not this person. If everything doesn't end up pointing to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, and everything pointed forward to him until his first coming. And now we look back at that moment where he attained victory through the cross. We're looking forward to his coming, but we're resting in the finished work at the cross. And any attack that comes, here's my answer. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, look, and here the devil's whispering, and you're not good enough. You're to this. You're not that. Right? And you're just like, hey, take it up with Jesus. <laughs> my faith is in a person who I know personally who overcame the world, and now he represents us before the Father. So anyone that wants to make an accusation, take it to, take it to the Lord. He is our victory. Amen? The devil can't deal with that. About the time I start presenting myself as something awesome, the devil's got a lot to work with. But if I just kept saying, if I can just keep saying, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, where, where are the attacks going to come then? I know I'm not good enough. That's why I needed a savior. I know I don't know everything, but I know the one who does. Like, like how the devil just loses a lot of his, of his attacks on that. And we overcome the world by believing in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run the race that's set before us. Hey guys, let's class, let's go. Let's fulfill the mission that God's given us. Let's do this thing. But looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, we can't take our eyes off of him and start looking around at each other. No, no, let's just keep our eyes on him. And then that's, that's we're going to overcome. Philippians chapter three. Verses 8 through 14, turn there with me, and then we'll wrap up and break up into our small groups. Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 14. Paul says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And, and then and he talks about his maturity and coming to the point where he wants to come. He says in verse 13, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not awesome. I don't know everything I need to know. I'm not perfect. I'm not being impressive, but listen, 
This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is our victory. So listen, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with. Is it relationships? Is, is it addiction? Is it sin? Is it like whatever we're dealing with, whatever trial of your faith you have, whatever voices that, you know, the, the, the negative self-talk, the chatter, whatever is going on, our victory is in Christ. I'll tell you what, if you could work through that in your small groups, we could overcome the world. And then once we can come to a place of rest and peace about who we are in Christ, listen, now we can move forward as a fellowship, in fellowship, and we could become a, a living well, the spirit overflowing in the lives of our families and our communities, and just wait to see what God will do with a people who have their faith in Christ, who have a new birth, faith in God's word, and then victory in Christ over the world. Man, that's exciting to me. Okay, let's pray. We'll get into our small groups and wrap it up. Father, we love you. God, we need you uh, in and of ourselves, just, you know, in our flesh, we're, we're not going to overcome the world. But God, with the new birth, with faith in your word, and, and, and then Lord, looking to Jesus as our victory, God, we see that we can't overcome the world. And God, there's some of us here who are still in the world not born again. I pray for salvations today. Lord, there's some of us here that are kind of maybe in, in bondage, entangled a little bit with the things of the world. Father, give us victory. Help us to overcome the world in our own personal lives first. So then, Lord, we as a fellowship of overcomers can move forward and fulfill the mission that you've given us. God, don't let us leave here without interacting.